Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Samantha Mullet sitting next to me on the couch is my beautiful husband and your other host, Chris Mullet. We can make this, uh, we should make this a 172 minute show, right? I don't think I could talk to you for 172 minutes straight. Oh, I could talk to you for 172 minutes straight. Yeah, well, it wouldn't be a conversation. You would just talk to me and I would just ignore you for like. Well, because you've had how many years of practice of that? Ten. Okay. Ten solid. Because I meant with me. What practice? Oh. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, no, uh, a lot of practice. <laughs> I'm not gonna put You've it been gearing up for that your whole life. It turns out I am fantastic at not listening to people. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I am fantastic listening. at specifically not listening to like two people. The women in your life. Yep. Sorry, Jillian. <laughs> it's gonna take me five years to hear her first words. I'm sorry. What was that? <laughs> oh, gotcha. Thanks. Alright, well, what it we is, do here... It is July 25th, 2017 <coughs> when we're recording this. Oh, man. Uh, two days after we watched our film, which we'll get to here in just a moment, but if you're new to the podcast, every single week here on Married Almost Movies, every single week here. We're, hey, hey we're, we're back to it. You know, this oh, is two I mean, weeks in a row. I just want to make sure people understand that if they don't get one, it's not because we're, we're not... Saying yes, every week you're going to get one, or you're going to get two every week. You know, sometimes Like you get, we did before we had a baby, because now we have a baby. Sometimes you're logged in with a three-hour basketball documentary, and, you know, you're unsure and if... And you're falling asleep on the couch every night. I mean, it's, uh... Yeah, you're unsure if you're going to be able you to... You need to turn this off. It's fine, I'm talking. I'm fine, you're the one that acknowledged it. I was, we were in the middle of a conversation. No, you were speaking, and you were saying... Sometimes you're, uh... I was trying to find the words. Uh... Okay. Excuse you, rude. Alright. Sometimes you're fucking backlogged, and <laughs> your baby's crying and shitting, and that's just how it is. I mean, that's life. We keep it real here on Married so, Movies, okay? Because we're true. married. We watch movies. Right, either randomly selected out of the box, like today's movie, or... Nominated back and forth by one another and picked um, today's movie. Do we have anything else we got to talk about before we just get right into the... Has anything happened since the last... We haven't watched any movies out in theaters because we what? have a child. Oh my goodness. Um, we haven't... Illegally watched movies because... Uh... We have the means of doing so. Yeah, there's pretty much nothing else going on in the Look, world. Man, we're married and we we have a baby, and uh, that makes us pretty boring people. I'm surprised this podcast has even lasted this long. <laughs> I I will say um, that I did purchase several movies um, of the. Stop s- getting distracted by that disgusting looking chicken <laughs> parmesan. <laughs> But sandwich from Burger King. No joke, earlier, um, <laughs> I'm watching Pajillion asleep, and, like, you were sleeping on the couch, taking a little cat nap. That commercial was on, and it's, like, the most distracting fucking commercial <laughs> is the Burger King chicken parmesan sandwich commercial. It's not even the Jersey Shore one, where they had to bring all those fucking wops and derelicts back together to, oh to sit down. Look, it's totally excusable to, to refer to them as that in any sense of the word. Um... Puppy monkey baby. Stop. Okay, all right. Now I'm Puppy turning it off. That's going to make us turn it off. But I'm laying here with Jillian, and I'm like, all right, go to sleep, baby. And I look up, and I'm like, oh, God. It's just like every every food commercial has, like, close-ups of food, mm-hmm. you know, for the new item. But, like, I don't want to see up close, like, fucking Burger King mozzarella getting cut. And <laughs> well, that's disgusting. Burger King marinara sauce. Samantha's dead. She died. <laughs> 
<laughs> Where was there was another? Oh shit! What was it? If we went to Burger King to get that chicken parm, mm-hmm. they would tell us that they were out of the tomatoes. <laughs> just to make came the up at work after that. <laughs> I forget what we were talking about. Somebody was like, "Oh, I had Burger King today." I'm like, "I've been to Burger King like fucking ten years because every time I've gone, they're like fucking out. Like we're out of Whopper meat. It's like." There's a difference? That's terrifying. And then we went, we went and we got, what were those things that we were obsessed, Augie and I were obsessed with eating them. The those, Cinnabon minis? Yeah, those Cinnabon Yeah, we got all the Cinnabon minis they had left because that's the only thing they had and there was only like three of them. They were out of fucking like Whopper meat, chicken, and something else. And it's like, what the fuck are you serving people then? Just napkins? <laughs> um, it makes me think, I was talking about fast food marinara sauce for WrestleMania uh, this year. After one of the shows, um, the only thing that was like really open like near us was McDonald's. And the McDonald's we went to is the McDonald's on iDrive. It's like That's the biggest. Remodeled. It's like the biggest McDonald's in like the fucking state of Florida and like one of the biggest in the world or something. It's two fucking stories. And I don't mean like the second story is like a play area. Yeah, they have like a big ass arcade. There's just more seating and another place for you to order up there. It's ridiculous. That's crazy. And they have, it's one of the only ones in the, the country that still serves like McDonald's pizza. So we go in and they have like a little area. Like imagine like a, a fucking. Um, like the union at a mm-hmm. at a at a college, you know, like the different stations yeah. of like food places. They had like a little fucking like pasta and pizza thing. They had pasta, and me being the disgusting monster, I'm like, oh god, uh, absolutely. So they have like you couldn't even walk up and order at this place. You had to do it over like their giant like monolith tablet thing. So I started putting together like my fucking pizza. And it was going to be, like, $13 for, like, a personal fucking McDonald's pizza. Yeah, because it's fucking McDonald's. And then, like, they stopped serving it at, like, 11.30, and it was, like, midnight. So I never got it, which then I just went up, turned around and got, like, four things. They just gouged at McDonald's. I got, like, $20 worth of food at McDonald's, and not, like, me normally getting $20 of food at McDonald's. It was, like, an Egg McMuffin, a McDouble, and a fry, and, like, a drink. That was it. And it was, like, fucking ridiculous. So that reminds me, we have to go back there. I, I have to no. figure out what McDonald's pizza or McDonald's pasta is like. I just, I gotta know. Why, why? Why you gotta do that? Because I want to ruin an evening. <laughs> I, I want to pinpoint an evening and go, hmm, I don't want to enjoy the rest of my evening. Let's go to McDonald's, uh, let's the go next to Mc- Friday the 13th. Let's go to Mc- uh, let's go get some spaghetti bolognese at McDonald's, huh? Because <laughs> that's actually how you have to order. Yeah, shout out, to, shout out to Randy Quaid for that, uh. Pronunciation. You go, Randy Quaid. You go, Randy Quaid. You keep fucking getting them disability, mental instability, your fucking insane checks. <laughs> Hoop Dreams is today's podcast. Uh, Samantha drew it out of the box, which means I read it. Uh, Criterion Collection. Whoop, whoop. Gonna have more of these coming up very, very soon. Yeah, because they had a 50% off sale. That's what uh should have talked about. I think that's what I started to talk about. Oh, because I got distracted by it. See, the chicken part still fucking distracting us. Instead of talking about like the esteemed Criterion Collection, which re- like restores movies of cultural significance, and we talked about food. fucking fast food pizza. Look, man, we're married with movies, okay? Yep. Not movies with marriage. The Criterion Collection, a continuing series of important classic and contemporary films, presents Hoop Dreams. Two ordinary inner-city Chicago kids dare to reach for the impossible professional basketball glory in this epic chronicle of hope and faith. Filmed over a five-year period, Hoop Dreams by Steve James, Frederick Marks, and Peter Gilbert follows young Arthur Agee and William Gates and their families as the boys navigate the complex, competitive world of scholastic athletics while dealing with the intense pressures of their home lives and neighborhoods. This revelatory film continues to educate and inspire viewers and is widely considered one of the great works of American nonfiction cinema. It's got a plethora of director-approved special edition features, which I would love to uh, watch eventually. Um, but uh, after finishing a 172-minute movie, you kind of just wanted to be out of your PlayStation. Um, it mm. took us a while to watch this because it is a legit three hours. It felt it, but at times it didn't. And I'll go, I'm, I think the reason why it didn't is because of how it is broken, uh, up, broken up by years in terms of... Uh, so I did a little, uh, before we recorded, I did like my background research as I normally do on the film. This was originally supposed to be like just like a 30-minute public broadcasting documentary. Mm-hmm. And it very much feels like it throughout the course of it, which is one of the charms I liked about it, is that 
now, like for fucking documentaries, it all feels very produced. Yeah. Um, and this is legitimately almost like a, uh, like an anthropologic case study. You know, it's yeah. very, it's very documentary. It's very real. It's capturing actual lives. Um, but it's also, it's 1994. No, not even. when it came out. 90, yeah, so I think it's like 1989, I don't 90, know, 91, 92. Well, that's why it's, that it's, camp? yeah, it's hard to remember. Um, so it's the late 80s, early 90s that everything's being filmed. Um, and they were just filming freshman year, and they realized what story they had in their hands. So, you know, the the groundbreaking concept of filming them over five years in actually documenting and seeing these kids grow up. Mm-hmm. They only shot, like, four or six days, I think, freshman year. And then by the end of it, like, their senior year, they were shooting them, like, 40 days of the year. Wow. So they got, like, so that's why so much of it is in the senior year and, you know, so little in the freshman and the sophomore year. Um, so I think that's part of the reason why it doesn't feel as long is because you get through three quarters of their high school life within like the first hour, hour and 15 minutes, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, and also, don't spend too, too much. And also the story kind of progressed in a way to where like you didn't need to really focus on a lot of that stuff because, you know, later on is where a lot of the meat was. Um, I think we've tackled on the podcast before that um, a few months ago we added my 30 for 30 collection into the box. We haven't drawn any of them yet. Very well may do so today. Who knows? So this is our first sports documentary that we've uh, had on the show. You are quoted as not being the biggest documentary fan on the Uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. But I have been been able to get you into sports documentaries, so I will open it up to you for your overall thoughts. So, to give a little background on that piece of it, I... Before I met you, I... I didn't know really anything about sports. Right. You're a typical you're a typical girl. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much. Nothing um, wrong with that. I'm just saying. Yeah. So I didn't really know a lot about sports. You're very much into sports. Mm-hmm. Um all of our friends are very much into sports. So for me I felt like I had a lot of catching up to do. When it came to, you know, learning some of the history and and things like that, um, from the different things, you know, because I like to play and win at, like, fantasy football and I like to follow in, like, you know, the basketball games and stuff and, and, you know, be engaging in conversations because a lot of the time it was just me hanging out with you guys and you were talking about sports and I wanted to be able to, you know, participate and know kind of I'm like that nerd who likes to know, sure. you know, all that stuff. So um, I, want to, I wanted to watch a lot of the sports ones, the 30 for 30s, especially because um, it just, like, taught me a lot more. Like, we watched that one. I think I talk about it every time because it's, like, the only one I think I've watched. The one with the, about the Fab Five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I know about, about them, and I know about Patrick Ewing losing on the Knicks. That was from winning time. A lot. Well, see, and they all fused together. I just know these random facts about Well, because also the only ones you ever watched are basketball ones. There's well, very because few. that's your favorite. It's my favorite. And, and well, I think I watched the one about the Buffalo Bills also losing yes. a lot. Yes, yep. And I watched this one about Cleveland So what did sports? you think of this movie? Um, so I don't really have a lot to base it off of in terms of, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, like, the portrayals, I mean, like, that's the thing with documentaries, too. I don't, I don't like to criticize them so much because they're actually being themselves, you know? It's well, not like a mockumentary where you can, like, critique, like, the acting and say this person didn't do this there is undoubtedly, well. like, once, like, once you've watched enough documentaries, you, you know the difference between a good one and a bad one. Okay. And, and a mediocre one, so... But I'm saying about specifically, like, oh, I didn't like this person who played this person. Oh, no, like, MVP... Because it's actually them. Like MVP and LVP is much different. And I feel different. so badly. MVP and LVP is much different on these podcasts. We're yeah. basically just judging who our, like, favorite people are. Yeah. But, um... She's coughing. She's fine. Uh, if you hear a random cough, it's our baby in the other room. Uh, she's asleep. She's not, like, being punished or anything. <laughs> 
Um, and she's supervised by the fan. Um, <laughs> it's her friend. So, yeah, so, um, but, but you can tell, like, so I think yeah. the only documentary we've tackled, I know we did Gonzo. Mm-hmm. Do we do any others? I think that's it. I, I thought so. I nominated more. I, I could have swore we did. Um, so, like, Gonzo was fine, but, you know, I, I this is definitely a, a step above Gonzo, even, even at its length. It just depends on, like, what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I think... I think that's important, and I also think the, the the material and the source material has to be of something of interest. For the most part, for you personally, for the most part, I have watched some 30 for 30s on subject matter that I could not give a shit about and ended up thoroughly enjoying it and loving it. Um, and vice versa, you know, I gave it a shot in like 20 minutes in, I'm just on my fucking phone, and I don't care. Right. And also, the other way. There's some that I get super amped for, and the execution just is off. It's either just like the right combination of interviews, um, archival footage. The story's just not as interesting. They leave holes out. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, I have, like, a glaring one in my head, and it's going to drive me nuts. Um... I'm I'm forgetting it off the top of my head. We'll tackle it at some point when it comes out of the box. But um they it happens. For this one, like you don't have that issue because it's three hours. It's covering <laughs> the entire growth of, of, their... of two human beings in a rough situation that are trying to make the best of it. They're incredibly skilled at what they do, and it's every aspect of the life. It's not just you know, it would have been very easy for them to just tackle basketball. And this would have been, like, 100 minutes, and it's fine. But, you know, it, it went into everything that made them it's, who it they are. It this specific subset of, mm-hmm. you know, high school basketball in, you know, really bad parts of Chicago. Having to deal with also the juxtaposition of they both were supposed to be going to this one school mm-hmm. 90 minutes away, whatever the case is. But only one ended up doing that and one ended up not. And I think that that is where it took a turn for me and became more interesting. Well, definitely you told two definitive stories and weave them throughout. You have Arthur Agee, whose family is on extreme hard times, a drug-addicted father, an abusive father, trying to fix his life, families really struggling to make ends meet. You know, he has to go back to public school and still has to try and follow his dream. Versus William Gates, who goes to um, St. Joseph's. Joseph's. He, you know, is becoming something of himself and incurs an injury as his kind of roadblock, obstacle obstacle to overcome. And it all kind of crescendos into, you know, their senior year and then preparing for their next steps. Um... And the only crossover, so my only real complaint about the movie, because I, I really, really liked it. I thought it was great, highly entertaining, the right mixture of of everything I like in a documentary, um, but without a lot of the documentary tropes that you get, especially sports documentaries nowadays, um, was I felt like at the end of it, in their senior year, when... Um, when Gates, when St. Joseph's loses, and they're out very, very early on, um, and then Arthur's team kind of goes all the way to, I think they finished the semifinals. They finished third? Third. Yeah. Um, they started, like, forcing, like, the two of them into things together because they knew that their story was coming to an end. Right, to kind of... And it came out of nowhere. So, like, there's a really emotional part after St. Joseph's loses the game that... Um, Arthur goes to the game to, like, watch it. And, like, you know, he goes and sees the coach that he was supposed to play for. And we could have used you, and everyone's happy to see him, all this kind of stuff. And then for the first time, if I'm not mistaken, they share camera time, the two of them. Right? Yeah, they didn't really share it. And, you know, they... And they're apparently friends. You know, they know each other. I mean, how could they have not probably crossed paths at some point over this, this time period when these filmmakers are covering them together? Um... And it's like a really emotional scene. Like they hug each other and 
Gates is like showing more emotion to Arthur about losing and not making it as far as he should have. Mm-hmm. And it's an awesome scene, but like the storytelling of it and like it came out of nowhere for me. And then like for the next 30, 40 minutes, you get more of that. You get them, you know, seeing each other again, them following each other's, you know, playoff run and whatever else. And it, it kind of was like a missed opportunity of like, well, wh- why is this just now happening? If this is a thing. Right. Cool. If it's not a thing, then like, don't, don't force, force it. it. That would yeah. be my only real critique about everything else that played out because everything else played itself out really, really well. Nothing felt exploitative. It all felt like just documenting. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, yeah, this was the late '80s, early '90s. Must have been around '88 that they started. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it. they graduated in '91 or '92. Yeah, so you think it went from eighty eight to ninety two? Yeah, came out ninety four. Yeah, um, so because they had they had so much footage. And they had um, what I found interesting was they had the footage of like they they uh, William Gates went to a basketball camp, mm-hmm. and um, this basketball camp had some people who I knew from. Are you talking about like Jalen Rose, Juan yeah, Howard? Yeah, and, yeah, yep, I knew Chris them Weber. from three of the five members of the Fab Five. Yes. Yeah. So I knew them from that, and I also mm-hmm. knew them from what they do now. Well, Jalen Rose. Uh, commentate, commentate, sit behind a bench and look like he knows what he's doing. That's yes. John Howard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I thought that was cool, too. Mm-hmm. Like an unexpected, like, Easter egg kind of thing. Well, the same so thing with Isaiah. That kind of, that time kind of lines up. I loved the progression of the story in terms of when it starts, like, it's literally just a dream. Uh the other thing I didn't like, the cheesy-ass entrance song. <laughs> it was so, like, no. early 90s. Oh, like, man. Hoop Dreams. Like, it's like I plugged in an SNES game, and it was like, <laughs> oh, I'm playing Hoop Dreams, Mom. I was like, Leave what? me alone. It was very, and that's, again, what made me At think. At first, I was like, oh, this is going to be such <laughs> shit. Like, what are you making I kind of have the same thing. I'm like, fuck, this looks really, like, bootleg. I was like, oh, man. And that's what made me th- think it was very PBS feeling. Like, I, I felt like I was watching, yes. like, a kid's PBS show called The Hoop Dreams. And, you know, and it's like, it's going to teach me about the fundamentals of basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, but it starts out almost so innocent, you know, of just two freshman kids hopefully going to be able to make it. You know, and they go to that Isaiah Thomas camp, because also Isaiah Thomas, who, one of the biggest basketball stars of the 80s, two-time NBA champion, um, is an alumni of the school they're trying to go to. So, and that's the only thing you get of a name or a celebrity until their senior year. And then they have scouts coming to their games, like um, uh, Mike Krzyzewski and Bob Knight. Oh, no. um, yeah, you don't know who any of these coaches are. And then, but you also see, you know, other the luminaries we know of now of NBA, um, and I just liked how it kind of like took on this path of oh man, this is like getting serious and like they're actually good to attract this attention. You know, if like a fucking bullshit scout came out and you know they tried to like, it felt again very real. It didn't feel forced. It felt like this is their lives and this is how it's. Yeah. Taking off. And the thing that I also liked, which I'm going to make sure I show Jillian and all of our children uh, this part mm-hmm. of the documentary, I just like the part where, like, they had all this opportunity. All these scouts were coming to watch them, and they could have taken advantage of whichever school and everything, but what stood in their way? Grades. Their grades <laughs> and being able to pass a standardized test. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that it was... Also important, and I think you see it a lot more now than you did back then in, like, the 80s and 90s, the emphasis on education and, like, what to fall back on versus just about the sports. And I think that that was pretty important. And I think you still, you have a lot of it now. Well, I, I think you have a lot of it, but I think, I think that because of documentaries, maybe like this one, you know, a lot of these athletes do realize that everything could end with an injury you know oh, yeah. and so I, mean, I think that the importance of getting education the importance of being able to fall back on something because that scholarship that marquette offered mm-hmm. like regardless of whether or not he could play like his school is going to be paid yeah. for i think that that's kind of what the norm is with it a is. lot of these for these athletes so i think that that 
is a really big deal too and I I liked seeing that part of it that it's not something that oh just because we're in the media or whatever and then again, like it's something that they do you had the juxtaposition do. of big colleges sending all these letters and all these things and then Arthur Agee having to go to this small technical school, college yeah. from public school gonna be, if he wants Live to play living in this like house that's literally by itself yeah. like that's the house you see in Lawner SVU where they find the girl in <laughs> uh, but like there's like six guys like living in it just to get a chance to fucking play basketball and hope to get noticed at some point yeah um, I, I thought it that, was, that a, was really it was very strong. dichotomous throughout yeah. the thing about like the schooling that didn't I, I, I enjoyed what they did, but the drove me nuts about like watching and the characters developing was that every time like I really started to enjoy a character, they just did something I fucking annoyed me or like made me think less of them. And I was like, oh, come on, man. Like the like Arthur is definitely kind of the more I don't want to say troublemaker, but he's a little bit more he's more charismatic, but he's also more uh I don't know the right words, more susceptible to acting out and being like, they show like how many scenes of him in class or in summer class or in Sunday, Saturday class, whatever, just fucking dicking around. And it's like, just don't do that. Yeah. And, but then you see, and then you see Gates, you know, who's just not really as exciting, you know, he's, go through he's his struggles. father really young. You know, had, had his struggles, um, you know, but starts doing good in school and then just like kind of to me becomes like, like a whiny little bitch. Uh, in turn, I mean, sure, like injuries are bad, you know. And the the coach, we'll get to the coach. Um, oh, we will get to that coach. <laughs> but every but and again, every single time I started writing a narrative about what I wanted, and again, that's the signs of a good documentary is that it, it, you know you never know what's gonna change, mm-hmm. in in everyday life. Every time I really like the character. Something would happen. Like, with the first 15, 20 minutes, I loved Arthur Sr. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, this guy's, like, he bossing his really... ass, trying to make ends meet for his family, tighten it, and then, like, the next scene, like, I think it was sophomore year, like, he leaves his family. And I'm like, oh, well. Fuck that's... this guy. Well, it wasn't that. It was like, oh, that sucks. You know, like, money, he lost his job, money troubles, you know, that can be, you know, and I was like, please don't go this route. Please don't go this route. And then it's like, yep, crack. Hits her, and it's like, come on. And then my favorite scene in the whole movie, well, I I have several favorite scenes, but I think one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie was, uh, I think it was after junior year or whenever he came back when they have the one-on-one game. I think it's after the senior. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That scene was just so intense and came from so many different places. It It was humorous. But at any moment, I thought, like, they were going to come to blows. Yeah. You know, just, like, father and son have been through everything together. Was just incredible that they captured all that. Um, yeah, I think that was good. Was there any Was there any particular sequence or scene that um, you really, really liked or vice versa that you didn't enjoy? Um, I liked that scene. Um... I didn't, I mean, I liked with the colleges, I guess, going, you know, how they were recruiting. Mm -hmm. I liked those, like, you know, you had them talk, one guy talking to another guy, you know, they talked to the dad, they talked to the son, Mm -hmm. you know, they got, oh, like... So you were the cheerleader to the mom, you know? Oh, like when they're actually at the games and the recruits yeah, yeah. are talking. Yeah, yeah, the recruiters were talking. I liked those. I liked, I liked I the run. I think it showed some, like, personalities from, like, the family. And I loved the Marshall run, the whole title run of theirs. Yeah, was, was very good. documented well. Felt like a 30 for 30, if that's your kind of thing. Um, but, it, again, it just looked like I was watching a really baller, like, news story. Yeah. Um, in that sequence, what I didn't like when you're talking about, like, colleges was... When uh, Arthur's visiting that school we talked about, where they were gonna put him in like the rape shack in the back, <laughs> um, and like he's there, every time he goes to talk about academics, he's giving him like a different answer and what he wants to do. Oh yeah, it's yeah. It's like communications, business, real estate. It's like, yeah. dude, come on, like. It's like he's lost. Well, I, I just think he just he didn't care. 
you know, and but, just kind of yeah. created his own fucking answer. Um, also, I really, really didn't like, and something that, like, scares me about, like, my future and also our children's future is just, like, the culture of fucking sports coaching. Yeah. Like, and it's the way that it is, you know? Any, like, leadership position or, you know, like, teaching or coaching, like, in sports is obviously different because that's just the fucking bullshit masculine mentality behind it. Um, I, that's never how I've been. On my YMCA championship winning uh, basketball team, I didn't yell and cuss and, you know, mm-hmm. You were 12. And... I was not. I was 16 years oh, yeah, old. I was even older than that. Eleven and I were in junior. We were sixteen and seventeen. Excuse you. So how? What kind of coach were you? I was a great coach. I was wonderful. I was a fun coach. I took my time with each player and worked on little things they needed to work on. Because also, I, I was fortunate. I had a really, really good team. I was given a great team. Um, of so right. it was luck, is what you're saying. Like like thirty percent. Uh, 12, 13 year olds, um, you know, in the first couple practices, like I tried to be like, all right guys, we're going to run, we're going to run fucking suicides and we're going to do layup drills and we're going to like do this. And like, I I felt like they weren't learning anything. So like what I did was, all right, we're just going to run, we're just going to play a pickup game. We're just going to play three and three, four and four. I'm going to play with you guys because I don't want to play. It's really the only reason I became a coach. I just want to play more. Um, you know, and then I would stop the games, and I would, like, let them, you know, play 21. When I noticed something, I would take one person aside and, and said, you know, you're turning your foot in when you do this. Or, you know, when you, you're not, like, doing this when you're going for layups or rebounds. So, like, I would stop things, and then I would take people aside and have one-on-one time with them. We didn't run fucking plays. You know, we, I, I taught them how to screen off the ball. I taught them, you know, how to run pick and roll. I taught them how to... You know, do things like that, and we just ran those simple things. So I'm not on I'm not on the sidelines like fucking calling numbers or head signals or doing whatever. I'm just I'm like, do your stuff. You guys each know your role. You each are matching up the right way. Just fucking do it. And we went fucking like seven and three, and we won the the league. Uh, and in the process, I mean, Matt Levin's dad like fucking fall in love with me because he would come and watch my games more than he watched Matt's games. Like. Can you teach Matt, like, how to teach... Because Matt's team was, like, three and seven. Like, Matt's what team was terrible. What kind of coach terrible. was Matt Levin? Uh, one that said in the sideline and ate his shirt, but not out of anger, just because he liked putting his shirt in his mouth. <laughs> That's the kind of coach. Like, I would, like... What I don't know you, what... I don't no. know what it was about that summer, but for some reason, like, like, everything aligned for me to make Matt look... continually like a piece of shit. Like, his dad would show up, and, like, my team would be winning, like, 20. And he'd be like, Chris, like, you gotta... And I have to do a Matt Levin's dad impression when I do this. Because you're so good at impressions. Well, it's mostly, like, all visual. It's just, like, the way that, like, he acts and stuff. Like, Chris, you gotta, you gotta do something about Matt. Like, he, look at the score. Like, you're killing him. And, like, he, his kid's, like, he doesn't, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't do anything. He just stands there. You know, that's what it is. In between, like, our game and uh, Matt's game... Uh, there would be, like, free, like, you know, you could just shoot around in between. It's just a fucking YMCA. Like, whoever wants to come on the court and shoot around, you know, it doesn't matter until the teams need to actually start, like, warming up and practicing. So I would just, like, start shooting around, and I think I made, like, a couple baskets. He's like, yeah, you, you can even shoot, too? That's ridiculous. Sit over there. Because Matt's dad, the way I met the, the, the family, this is all fucking inside, but whatever. Um, this, these were my hoop dreams back in the day. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> was, uh... When I was volunteering at the Y, before I was a coach, I was running the timekeeper's table, and I would keep score every Saturday for my hours for IB and stuff. Um, was Matt and his brother were players in, like, the, the league, and his dad was a coach. And, like, every week his dad would just, like, be going crazy. And, like, still, like, I didn't even know the man at the time, but just, like, we're talking, like, he's, he's, he's going to take a shot and he's going to miss it. I'm telling you, see, I told you. About <laughs> some fucking kids. Which was great. It was always Mike. It wasn't Matt. Matt. Matt's really good. Mike is good too. It's just Mike always like fucking blows it. Mike was William Gates <laughs> of, uh, of of this situation. Um, so he, you know, kind of knew me from that, but like never really saw me like play or anything. So 
like, uh, you know, shoot, shoot around. Let's, let's see how you go. So I did the five main spots like you would normally do in like a three-point contest, the two corners, the two um, top of the key and the two sides. Um, and I made all fucking five, like just like running it, just spot, shot, spot, catch, shot over and over. And I made all five. And on the fifth one, I knew it was going down. I just turned around and left the gym and I could hear him yelling <laughs> at the gym afterwards. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like, this guy's going to adopt me. This is amazing. That's awesome. Um, but in this, and I've also been trying to catch through, catch up my backlog of 30 for 30s we have on the DVR. I'm watching One and Not Done, which is about John Keller Perry, a very controversial and famous uh, college coach in Kentucky. It's the fucking style of coaching. Like, I know, like, coddling people and, like, talking nice. I'm like, guys, you really need to do this. Probably isn't going to fucking work with, you know, 18, 14 to 21-year-old males. It's just not going to work. Okay. But there's just something about it that just fucking rubs me the wrong way when I watch it. And I'm fearful of, you know, if I get back involved with coaching at any point, like, turning into that, or the opposite, not being involved, but being privy privy to it and watching it with my fucking kids and going on there and fucking choking a bitch. Oh, I'm telling you right now. Anyone speaks to my children like that? I never really cursed before I met you, but I could lay into somebody. You're pretty good at it now, I'll tell you that much. I'm pretty good at it, but I don't even need to cuss. I don't even need to. I have a very special gift a lot of the women in my family have. Being able to really make somebody feel terrible just by speaking to them. Um, yeah, a real gift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Real I mean, gift. We call it a gift. I don't know if other people would. No, I mean, I would go off. I would be, like, there would be no controlling me. <laughs> really, there would be no controlling me. I would, I would make the, I would just make them quit. I would make them quit. So my LVP is Gene Pingatore. The coach. The coach for Saint for Saint Joseph. I agree with that. Like it started off and he seemed fine and just as it progressed, and I think this is the story they were trying to tell, he just became this like disingenuous taskmaster that like you're rooting for the team to let him down. And they do. Granted, like every tor- turn, William gets yeah. to like win the game for them, or like be the hero. He just doesn't like. Doesn't. He just doesn't have that fucking bone or that gene. That last scene of like him like leaving like was so awkward. And yeah. Gates has the line like, "I want to make sure I have your number so when you call for a donation, like I don't give it to you." And like they both kind of laugh, but like you can tell like that's like a legitimate feeling. Yeah, and it's recognized. He just didn't seem like a good person. In the midst of all these people that like are having struggles, just wasn't for me. So you're you're on board for that? Yeah, I didn't. I mean, there, I have several people that I just wasn't a. And he, apparently, he's still like he's very famous. He's still coaching at St. Joseph's. He's not dead. He, he I'll tell you what, he doesn't have much black hair on his head anymore. Um, and if he had, I think I think he's so old that like. He just bought a gray toupee. Mm. Like, like, if you buy a toupee, like, get the color you used to have. He's like, nah, right. fuck it, I ain't fooling anybody. Right, least, exactly. These people think it's mine. Um, I have, like, the little featuring list here. Um, uh, I didn't like Curtis Gates, the brother. He died. A, a lot of these people died. I know. He was gunned down. Uh... Bo's father was gunned down. There was somebody else that was gunned down. Somebody's brother, somebody's other brother. I think one of Arthur's brothers was also gunned down as well. Um, I like the, I like the role he plays in the story of like the, you know, the precautionary like this could be you, type. You know, he was a star. You know, had an attitude, never made it in college, mm-hmm. and now he's like a fat security guard. But, like, his role and, like, his brother's, like, playing in his life, you know, like, criticizing in the stands and, like, being so vocal and, like, recruiting and stuff. And I just didn't, I just didn't like him again as well. Uh, we already talked about Arthur Sr. or Bo, for that matter. Um, the talent scout, Earl, Earl Smith, 
you know that guy's a fucking booster. It has probably gotten so many fucking people banned from fucking illegal activities. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the um, the white people. <laughs> you know the white people I'm talking about. I do. The the white people who basically bought William Gates's entry into fucking high school. It's it's gravy train. Is all it is. Is hey, remember me when you become famous? Right. So the jokes on them. Neither <laughs> William Gates never. Yeah, way the, to pick them. Neither one of these guys played in the NBA. In my entire life that I've known about this movie, I thought, and I never looked up, like, who they were. I just figured, you know, oh, they were probably, like, a role player they made at the NBA or something. No. Gates never even finished playing basketball in college. And Arthur, like, tried to make it and just couldn't. So it's, you know, kind of sad, but almost appropriate as well. Right. Um, there's somebody else I didn't like. I forget who it was. Um, I think those are the, the well, main... I mean, I didn't really like the w- girlfriend of William. Yeah, I mean, she she was kind of like an, uh, you know, yeah. non-factor to me. Um, that whole storyline of her and then the baby and everything. It was very, like, undeveloped. And I think, and I I think one thing was on purpose to show, like, where his priorities were. Okay. That that's the only way I can like kind of make. It. Also, so the whole time you're like, man, it's a, it's kind of the weird thing. Like Arthur is you know the one that comes from like a really impoverished upbringing, has to go to public school. You know his best friend is in jail for dealing drugs, and he's not getting into those type of things. But like he's always like on the edge. And then Gates is the one that has like a child at like sixteen. And then mm-hmm. the fucking end of the movie, when it gives, like, the recap, like, the first line about Arthur is, had two kids a sophomore year. And I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> like, yeah. There's that. Motherfucker. He was doing so well until he got to college. Um, the other thing I was going to say, shit, was it? Oh, we were talking about Arthur's friend. Um, something I like. Man, is dicking around working at Pizza Hut. <laughs> I loved it. Is that what it's like to work at Pizza Hut? Uh, my sister go. was working at Pizza Hut at that same time, and I'm really? sure she didn't have that much fun. Making three thirty an hour. Can you imagine making three thirty? What's the least amount of money you've made uh, per hour in your life? Like six something. I, I think that's uh, I that's think, when I, I first started working. What minimum wage was? I think mine was five fifty. When did you start working? Two thousand four, two thousand five. Uh, my my mom opened my first bank account for me two days after my sixteenth birthday, mm-hmm. so I could get a job. Get out there. So my yes. birthday's Christmas Eve. For those of you who don't know. <laughs> The day after Christmas, my mother took me to the bank and opened me an account so I could get a job and have a direct deposit and somewhere put my paychecks. Um, so I started working in 2003, so I was, yeah, I was 16, um, and I'm pretty sure it was 550 or 575. Well, fuck you. I was making 625, I think, was the lowest I've made. Yeah, because your grandmother's probably in a negotiating. You're lucky you were making 10 bucks an hour out of the gate. She deserves more than that. Go do it. No. My grandmother didn't want me to get a job. Um, oh, that's more like it. <laughs> that's, that's about right. Um, MVP. I have a few people who I really liked. Um, I'm going to say, neither Gates or Arthur would be my MVP. Really? I, if I had to make a case, it would be Arthur over Gates because he was more charismatic. Um, he provided more memorable scenes. Um, he didn't get fucking hurt like a little bitch. And here I am talking about making fun of coaches and not having that mentality. Um, so I really, really liked people who are not do I liked. I liked uh, Gates's mom just because she scared the shit out of me. She was like no nonsense. She always seemed, like, kind of sad, forlorn, like... Okay, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, you know the one, but, like, she was always, like, no-nonsense, you know, you're gonna get this, you're gonna do this, this is how it's gonna go, it was, you know, sympathetic with his knee injury, you know, was cutting loose a little bit when he graduated. I liked her. Yeah. But every I time I her. saw her, I was just like, I ain't, I ain't fucking... I'm not fucking I'm not with this. fucking with that. She's gonna ground me through the television. Yeah. Um, so I liked her. Um, I liked the Marshall coach... Uh, Luther Bedford, he just was very, like, again, real to the point. This is how it is. You know, had words of encouragement when need be. Had words of warning when, you know, it happened. Was very... Was very much like the kind of coach that I would want, you know, them to have. 
So liked uh, liked him as well. Um, I'm trying to remember who else I liked. I I loved uh, Arthur's mom as well. She she would be my MVP. Was Arthur's mom. I liked how she went back to school. She finished top of her class as a nurse's assistant. She just had a lot of and all those charisma. And so they got their power true. shut off, and in the midst of like filming, like they would like the power got turned off on, yeah. on their family, you know. And her recapping those situations and you know the money they owed St. Joseph and everything really else. Real. It, yeah, it was very easy to be melancholy and melodramatic and overdone where like you feel the opposite of sympathy it's like we'll do something about right, it right, right. that that very like republican almost <laughs> like mindset of like stop complaining and get out there and fucking you know do something about it it never felt that way it just right. felt like this is unfortunately how life is here for everybody and I'm doing everything I can and then she does. And, you know, raw emotion when she has a victory. Um, I, 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 I'm I fine with either her or if you wanted to go with Arthur himself. You know, I, I, could, I could go that way. But No, I'm, I mean, I think that that's a good choice. Arthur's mom. Yeah, Sheila. Sheila A.G. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it, it was good. It, it was informative. I learned something that I didn't know before, which obviously is an important part of a documentary. A great microcosm on race, on yeah. Um, yeah. culture, on public and private schools. Yeah, um, I agree. Religion in schools? Man, no offense to anybody listening to this, but fuck that. <laughs> like, like, watching kids in class like have to learn that stuff Yeah, is to me just such like such a fucking gigantic waste of time. Again, no offense at all. Like, instead of a class about, you know, like, parables and stories and, like, how to use them in your life, how about, like, a fucking semester-long class how to balance a checkbook? Something I that wish. Nobody can do. Or write I a check. Or, you know, why isn't home act, like, not a thing? I, I know. But here's six weeks on... Fucking Noah. I know. know. Again, sorry, not to get on a soapbox. It just drives me crazy actually seeing it. And again, this was like 30 years ago, so probably a lot has changed. Uh, Or not. I just hate seeing like, locker, 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 Christ. (laughs) Also, I think it was also more so like the wood paneled walls (laughs) were also kind of weird. It was like, man, is this this school in the middle of like an Elks Lodge? Mm -hmm. It was kind of, kind of different, but um. Yeah, I dug it a lot. Um, don't think it's something I would, like, re Like, if it was on television and I was in, like, the mood for, like, just to be on the background, I put it on. But again, it's so... It is a chore to watch just because... Of the length. The, the length. But it's also a documentary. Like, I'm very good at just leaving documentaries on and getting shit done. It's still, like, getting my information. Mm-hmm. So, that was a positive. I feel like they've they've done several... Like pieces or reunion things, but I would just totally like a like either an, not a new one. I think there was a, a new one kind of done with I think Patrick Beverly, who was a point guard for the, the Rockets. He just got either traded or signed somewhere else. He's a starting point guard in the NBA. He was in it. It's kind of the same area, um, but I want you know, I want more of a lot of these people. I want to see you know what's come of it, you know. Like we said, neither one of them made the NBA. They're both motivational speakers and, you know, businessmen, you know, based off of this movie. Mm-hmm. They both use this movie to kind of help their families get out of the situations they were in, which was awesome. <laughs> you know, that that was the case and not, you know, it was very easy, you know, with a lot of the personal, tragedy, personal tragedies that came out of a lot of this, yeah. that they still, they weren't a big part of them. Also, that there wasn't any, like, real controversies. Again, we talked about boosters. We talked about, um, you know... Nobody likes you, booster. (laughs) Nobody likes... Get him away, booster. Um, Get him away, box. Yeah, I know what it is. You ruined it. Yes, finally. 
No, the sequel to Hoop Dreams was Hoop Reality, and that's what, where it's about Patrick Beverly, who's with the Clippers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He went to the Clippers. That's correct. Um, um, but, yeah, it, it could be very easily, you know, that small subset in this film of the dirty underbelly of collegiate sports and high school sports mm-hmm. and, you know, violations and stuff like that. And you don't, not to say that it didn't happen, it's just, it's not there. So, that's always a good thing. Alrighty. Um, Hoop Dreams, you drew it, so you scored first. I mean... You mean score, your expectation was a 6.5. Alright. It is good. I'm still not a biggest fan of documentaries, especially really long ones like that. I think I'm still trying to wake up. Um, was from two, having to sit through. It was 48 hours ago. Yeah, 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 that's about right. Um... No, I liked it. I think it was better than what I thought it was going to be. I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Seven and a half? Okay. Yeah. My expectation was an eight and a half. It exceeded my expectations. Um, I was hesitant because the length, again, it's... It really is a groundbreaking documentary, especially for sports, because it is... It is legit. It is... There's no... Every documentary, there's, like, one or two moments where I'm like, really? And like, it feels very, like, produced or, you know, kind of put together. And, the, like, the only thing I said was kind of forcing those two together at the end almost, you know, and creating a story out of it. That would be minor, but, but you know, that's just going to be something they chose to omit. Um, didn't even get fucking nominated for wow. Best Documentary Feature. Got nominated really? for Best Editing, which I think just because of a testament of the five-year project and how much footage they had. Yeah. Um, kind of changed the game in terms of documentaries because of the outrage of this not getting the recognition really? it got as one of the best documentaries for film ever made. Like, Roger Ebert was the biggest proponent of this film. Wow. Same thing with Siskel. They would, like, openly go over this on their At The Movie show on a regular basis and, like, kind of say, like, fucking people need to do something about this, you yeah, know? Yeah, like lobby for it. Yeah, so um, I'm going to give it a nine. Wow. So that's a 16.5. So that's an 8.25 for Hoop Dreams, correct? Yeah. Yes, 8.25. All right. Hoop Dreams goes back upstairs. Of course, I'm going to put it back in my pile here. Illusionist will come up as soon as Augie um, moves. Yeah, right. Chaperone coming soon as soon as we feel like being in a bad mood. And Unbreakable will hopefully be next week, but let's finally reach back in the box. Oh, what are you hoping for? Uh, not a three-hour movie. Something that doesn't... Just something that doesn't fucking give us grief. Okay. Like something that we can easily watch when we have two babies here on Saturday. Oh, God. Well, I said it was going to happen. Is it's, it a 30 for 30? It is two 30 for 30s. Oh, no! Because documentary, documentary. Yep, because so the way that this works, this is the first time this has happened on the podcast. So we have upwards over 60 30 for 30s over there. Now, to do some of them are only like 40 some minutes long because they were made for television to be consumed over an hour. So what I did was I combined common themed documentaries as best as I could to make the podcast have enough on fine. Because okay. for each documentary, we could probably talk 15, 20 minutes and then move on. Okay. So what we've drawn is House of Steinbrenner in four days in October to baseball documentaries. Oh, great. The first one. Because that's not something that <laughs> keeps me away. Uh, I've, I've only seen one of these. I've seen four days in October. Um, it's about the Boston Red Sox uh, 2004 playoff run. Uh-huh. And House of Steinbrenner is about late Yankees owner George Steinbrenner. I think they actually came out, like, back-to-back. Oh, great. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm I fucking gonna go called it. I'm going to go sleep now. I called it. <laughs> I'm going to go sleep now. So each of those are going to be 40. So this... Are you putting them on now? No, I'm not putting them on now. I was going to say I could go to sleep. I asked you... I hate baseball. I asked you if we were going to add these. And you said, like, well, yeah, if they're out in theaters, I guess we kind of should. And I verified it with a couple other people. And we added them. And you're like, okay, cool, great, I can't wait. I'm excited. Okay. 
that's before I knew that there was baseball documentaries in this. I thought all of them were just about the Fab Five. Okay. I think it's the only one I've ever spoken of. I Give think me your that, expectation on I House of Steinbrenner. Who is it about? How, George Steinbrenner. He's a very, maybe the most famous sports owner in the history of No, Mark Cuban is the most famous sports owner. Now. Oh, ever? Um. Because yeah, this guy's dead. <laughs> three, I didn't know that. Three and a half. Three and a half. I don't really um, like baseball. I'm going to give it a six just because I, I've never like heard anything about it. So I'm like. Oh, great. Hesitant. I've seen Four Days in October, so I won't give it a. What's that about? So that is actually, it's, uh, Bill Simmons was heavily involved in it, and MLB Films made it. Um, the Boston Red Sox in 2004 uh-huh. were down 3 nothing to the New York Yankees in the American League Championship Series. And it's about the following... I don't know what any of that means. No, I'm just kidding. I do know what it means. I do. It's about... You know how the, everyone's like crazy about the Cubs last year? Yeah, yeah. The Red Sox were the Cubs before the Cubs last year. In terms of like the curse. No, I know. I, I, yes. I know that much. Yes. I mean, I so know that much. I know So it's about their the year in 2004. have gone how long What's your out? fucking expectation score? Let's do... Uh, let's do... What did I give the other one? Three. Three? I thought I gave it three and a half. I thought I said. I think you said three. I'm pretty sure you said three and a half. All right, so I'm changing it to three. Expectation score. This one I'll give a four and a half expectation score to. Okay. So that'll be coming up here very, very soon. Oh, great. I need a good nap. What are you talking about? You've been napping for the past 20 minutes on this podcast. I've been napping your for eyes the past... Have been, your eyes have been closed. You look like you smoked like 17 <laughs> fucking bowls. What do you mean? Hey, Charlene. Hi. <laughs> I was watching uh, This Is 40 on television the other day, and you were undoubtedly the future LVP of that movie. <laughs> okay. You're, you're also, uh, I saw the trailer for the, the Disaster Artist, which is the... The, the Room movie coming out with James Franco and Seth Rogen. I saw you're going to be in that too. So <laughs> I got a good career. I just assumed I just assumed you were dead. <laughs> I hadn't seen you in anything for a while. I like to lay low. <laughs> okay, we'll keep. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. God, I hate because it's such a good impression. Aren't you just jealous? I'm so much better at those things. Than you have you? a Charlene Yee impression. Okay. That is about as fucking. War- that is. About as much worth as fucking... As your... asshole on your forehead. Okay, well, still better than any impression you've ever done. I'm not going to do it right now because the podcast is running long. And also because you know that it can't even hold a candle to the impression that I did. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Married with Movies. We encourage you, as always, to check us out on arcadeaudio.net. <laughs> Stop fucking interrupting my plugs... With your bullshit. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Arcade Audio for bonus content and to support the network of podcasts that we provide to you um, throughout the week. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. Subscribe to your podcast automatically every single Thursday, sometimes Friday. Um, hit us up at Mary W. Movies on Twitter, on Facebook. Um, also, leave us a review in five, leave us a review in five stars We'll share it on the show. You can influence the show by giving us a movie to watch. And tell us uh, if you like my Charlene Yee impression better than any impression Mullet's ever done. That'd be nice. If you're listening, Charlene Yee, then do me a favor. Leave us a review and then swallow fucking Clorox. <laughs> That's rude. I gotta watch what I say now because like people are like going to like fucking prison for like texting yeah. people to kill themselves, and I just yeah, told exactly. Charlene Yee to fucking drink bleach. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> this is impressive for someone who's been unconscious for about an hour and a half. <laughs> Are you done? What? I'm not doing anything. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, or I, mullet. This is mullet. Did you finish your plugs? Yeah, I finished the plugs. I didn't hear you talk about... It's Friday now. Wake up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you next time on our couch. Slash the movies.
Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at ArcadeAudio.net.